Welcome to the Emerging Women Podcast, where we hear from brilliant women leaders creating big change in the world. I'm Chantal Pirat, your host, and I am so happy to be doing this work with you today. This episode is brought to you by our friends and my personal friend, Amy Baglin, at Meet Mindful. Meet Mindful is revolutionizing the way we meet and connect with others in daily life by inspiring people to make meaningful connections every day, both on and offline. Maybe you're looking for long-term love with a partner who shares your core values. Perhaps you just want to meet a new like-minded friend to grab coffee with on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. The bottom line is you're looking for people to connect with, people who get you. If you're interested in meeting like-minded people, welcome to your new community. And what you'll do is you'll visit meetmindful.com forward slash emerging women and you will get a free trial. I love the way that they approach matchmaking. So enjoy it and do let me know if you get hooked up with someone that you love. We always like to hear those stories. Today, my guest is Danielle Laporte. You may know her from her truth bombs, which bring millions of visitors to her site each month, or from her best-selling books, The Desire Map and The Firestarter Sessions. Her multi-million dollar company is run by five women and one lucky guy, she says. And this year, she's released a new best-selling book, White Hot Truth, Clarity for Keeping It Real on Your Spiritual Path from One Seeker to Another, to help self-helpers amongst us to see when we're bypassing our feelings or falling for well-branded dogma. I can relate to that. In this podcast, we talk about all the readings, healers, workshops, juices, therapists, weekend retreats, and more that she has experimented with, and whether it was all worth it. We talk about what it means to have spiritual maturity, and the importance of self-acceptance, morality, and creative agency. We get into forgiveness, ego, she takes on desire, and the science of surrender. And it's juicy, people. It's Danielle Laporte at her best. And you're going to want to hear this one if you're a seeker. So welcome to this episode entitled White Hot Truth with the passionate Danielle Laporte. Welcome to the fabulous Danielle Laporte. How are you? I'm so good. Today, today when I woke up and I looked at my day planner, I was like, oh, it's a Chantal day. So I know this is going to be an excellent conversation. Always is. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, just, yeah, it's so exciting. I feel like we get little snippets on email and this is an honor for me to get the great Danielle right here. I can ask you anything. Oh, it's so exciting. Anything. Anything. So I'm have here in my hot little hands, the white hot truth advanced galley copy. And I've marked it up and torn it up already and highlighted it and dog-eared it and, looks like shit and I'm ready for a new copy. But 
that just tells the audience what we're in for on this conversation and what you're in for when you get the book. And I thought that it would be lovely to just start with the first few paragraphs here because basically you have a lot of experience in the spiritual practice realm. And you've pretty much done everything. And I wanted to just give our listeners an idea of that because it really, I think, speaks to a trend that women are, you know, in general, undergo a lot of self-improvement. And you're Mm. speaking to that. And also, you have the authority to speak to this. You've pretty much done everything under the sun. There's not one practice, I think, that I've done that you haven't listed in here. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's also done that. So... I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs just to give people an idea. Okay. So, quote, three shrinks walk into a bar, a Buddhist, an agnostic, and a Catholic. End quote. This isn't a joke. It's my talk therapy history. I've had a life coach, a creativity coach, a speaking coach, an intuitive business coach. I've had astrology readings with both Western and Eastern, those are called Vedic astrologers, because, you know, it's always good to have a backup astrologer in case you don't like what the first one predicts. I've communicated with goddess Pele and talked with my spirit guides and the archangel Metatron. I've communed with my inner child, my future self, the divas of my website. I've cleared dozens of past lives, dissolved some ancestral vows, and examined the fine print of my soul contracts. I've tried hypnotherapy to resolve my karma. Turns out that I can't be put under that spell, so I might be stuck with the karma. I've suffered through wellness workshops led by chain-smoking megalomaniacs who treated their staff like morons. I've firewalked barefoot down a 20-foot bed of hot coals without getting burned. I've chanted prayers in infrared saunas and then gotten rid of my microwave. I've taught myself the art of planning for synchronicity. And on and on Danielle goes in this long list of sampling um, from new age to new physics. And in the end of this intro, she says, I was a bit out of breath, both in and out breaths, when I realized that I was at a jarring juncture. The conflict between sincere spiritual aspiration and the compulsion to improve. And there you set the stage for this mm. fabulous book. I'm tired just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you say. Uh, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. You're tired. And, um, mm-hmm. and yet there's a feeling of, you know, freedom in getting all this down that I think is very compelling. And you actually say that freedom is the whole point And I'm curious to hear you talk more about that. So was this all worth it? All the stuff Mm. that you've put yourself through and the experiments and the seeking and have you reached freedom and was it worth it? And how are you feeling now? Mm. Mm. I would like, I'd like some of my money back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There are a few workshop leaders I'd like to have a little conversation with. Um, could not be here on the other side, could not be feeling as free and as self-agenting as I am without all of that. Uh, you know, I, 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 I talk in the book about gratitude and what exactly to be gratitude, gra- grateful for when you've been through like, you know, a rough experience. So I will say very specifically, 
I am grateful for my capacity to learn and to process and to transmute things. Mm -hmm. I am not specifically grateful for some of the betrayal along the way and the ripoffs and, you know, I'm not giving any, I'm not giving anyone credit (laughs) where credit is not due. Mm. And yeah, I feel really free. I feel, um, you know, of course I still have, I still have the people I want to impress on certain days uh, with my, you know, that I'm a good meditator, <laughs> mm-hmm. that I'm compassionate. Aren't I, aren't I good, you know? Um, but it's not an affliction anymore. And I'm currently on <laughs> an input fast. I mean, I still have cosmic support systems in my life. But, you know, I'll tell you, I haven't had a reading. This is like an alcoholic saying I haven't had a drink. I haven't had a reading in like astrology, psychic, clairvoyant, or otherwise, in quite some time. And I've survived. Like, I still am making great business decisions. Um, I'm, I'm doing just fine without the input. Yeah. How long has it been, Danielle? <laughs> for the rest of us out <laughs> there who may need to go on a fast. <laughs> yeah, it's been a solid nine months. Okay. Now I, I will say I have I have an energy healer who I work with on a regular basis and that person is like on retainer in my company mm-hmm. and that is a really a key relationship for me. Mm-hmm. I will also say that just recently I was like, "Oh, I could really go for a reading." <laughs> but it's just like you just want to drink, you know? Yeah. And and it's and I someday I will have, I I will find the right astrologer. I will I will go down that path, you know. But right now, I can hear my own voice very clearly. I am responsible for my right turns and my wrong turns, and I'm saving a lot of dough. And there's like a spaciousness in my life now. Yeah. And I have. I have room to do what I want to do, you know, which is be creative. Like when I was, when I was getting really clear in that, that self-help exhaustion phase, Mm. I I think I actually say like, I looked at my day planner one day and it was like, you know, there's the massage appointment. And then there was something probably with a really lovely shaman who was great. And then I was going to have some like Akashic records reading with a friend of mine who's like really tapped in and profound. And then there was something else. And it was just like, I I want to be creative. I have a book to write. I have a business, a major business. You know, like, uh, yeah, so I'm getting a lot more done, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you, I love this. Uh, you call it that being stuck in a self-help groundhog day. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, yeah. and so much judgment. Yeah. Oh, oh, the judgment for not getting it right. Not enough yoga. Did, did you, are you drinking the right juice? No, it's too much. Right. And one of the things that in the early part of the book, which I want to come back to because it sort of kind of weaves in and out throughout the book, is that 
you were sort of wondering like, wow, what if I just, you know, this whole self-acceptance concept seems to be super strong. And that's what you're alluding to. Like, I'm really kind of just tapping into my own wisdom. But, you know, what if I just started there? Would that have nipped everything in the bud in the beginning? And your answer was no, which I thought was interesting. And yet that seems to be something that you're relying on now. So can you flush that out a little bit? Well, I think it's all about taking your power back and it's an initiation. This is initiation, all the silly, expensive, ridiculous, weak things that we've done, all of the divine, clear, strong things we've done. Like if we lived in different, in a different culture, we would have initiations, (laughs) you know, like you would take you would take your peyote and you would you would go out on your own for a while to face some demons to learn how to see in the dark <laughs> instead we we get into business with someone who is not great for us and we have to learn to to tell when they're lying and that's starting that's how we learn where our power is or we get a diagnosis and we have to learn how to work with dimensions and different uh, herbs. And that's how we become our own healer. So you got to get off the path to get on the path. I think I am still, it's still an open question for me about how necessary suffering is to enlightenment. That's like my current thing I'm, I'm working on. Um, But I do know that like the getting lost is really essential to getting found. And I think some of us incarnate, and we have got it going on. Like there is no debris. We've worked it out in some other life or some other dimension. And we are relatively realized. Yeah. I'm not that person. For most of us, we, we do a bunch of things in the spirit of searching and experimentation. And then we go, wow, that was not good for me. That person was not what their website said they were. That person is not the same as they are in their Instagram feed. And aren't I awesome for finally learning how to discern? And then you take your power back. And once you've been through those initiations, you you never go backwards. I mean, there's always going to be more tests. There's always another teacher to show up. There's always those dark moments where you're like, I need outside input. And sometimes you do. Often we do. Mm. Um, but yeah, you don't become, you can't, you can't be broken in the same way again. Yeah. You're bringing up two things, and I don't know which way to go, but I think I'm going to just jump in here. It's one of your truth bombs in the book that says uh, lies serve to uncover the truth. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it just helps what you're saying. It helps to embrace some of this stuff instead of resent it and hang on to any anger around it because no matter what, it seems like we are getting more and more clear when we go through those experiences. Mm-hmm. But hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. And so I'm going to go current political landscape now. And, you know, you, you make this point that when people, you know, they go through that and they discover new truths that they, there's a certain level of, the zealot comes out and we get preachy and 
And it's just interesting because both of those things are kind of playing out with what's going on now with Trump and, you know, the reaction against it. And but also, you know, I'm pleased because the feminist movement is stepping up and really getting active in a way that it has not been. And I'm really ready to be a part of that in a more active way than I have been. And so I'm, you know, in some weird way, grateful for the lies and all of that, because it's making, you know, it's kind of a kick in the pants. And then I'm looking on the side, like there's a lot of people in my camp, you know, who are, I just, I'm getting tired from the, in a way, the way that we're going about it. And so I'm curious to see like what, how you can interpret that, given that both of those things are important on the, you know, transformational journey. What are, what are you getting tired of on the way we're going about it? Um, I, okay, so for instance, like the Women's March, I was like, you know, like I had the banner, I like, you know, brought in like, you know, 50 people, we're down in Denver, it's great. And then I was a little disheartened by the fact that it was so reactionary against Trump. And to me, I just felt like I want to celebrate being a woman and like, let's go forward. And yet there was yeah. a lot of reaction. I'm like, I don't want to waste my time on like talking about like, you know, like I want to create a new paradigm. And, and so there was just an energy around that, that felt that, you know, it was, I don't know if I'm a wimp, but it was like too harsh. Like, I don't like the hating. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. You know, maybe I'm just too new age mm -hmm. or I don't know. But, <laughs> you know? Oh God. I love it. I'm so with you. Here's my experience. Um, I think we're being tested to practice what we have been preaching, you know, compassion and expansion and love and justice and healthy anger. It's like, you know, an expanded consciousness has room for everything. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm into like, let's get creative. Let's focus on, on what's right. Mm -hmm. Focus on what's right. Mm -hmm. And by right, I mean moral. I don't mean, let's focus on what's working because so many things are broken, but let's focus on what's moral and our creative agency. And when we're really clear on where to go, yes, you use your rage. Absolutely. Holy Mary. And you vote yeah. and you call. Right. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it was like an amazing experience and fabulous. And there was a lot of love there, too. And um, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I was. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting point. And I think, you know, we don't all have to have the answers. And I love in your book where you're talking about the mess. And I want to get to that also. But, you know, we're creating a new paradigm and it's going to be messy and no one has it right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so, okay. So the other piece that I wanted to talk to you about, we, and you, you kind of alluded to it, but what do you think about ayahuasca and peyote and DMT and some of these new, I'm going to call them therapies <laughs> um, <laughs> or therapeutic practices, because that's basically what they are. But what I've, you know, am hearing, and interestingly enough, I've done, you know, many things in my life, but I've not done ayahuasca or peyote and, or used any of these drugs as, you know, ways to have a different perspective. And yet I know some really great therapists and shamans and who are doing mm -hmm. this and it's considered the short path. 
So what's mm-hmm. your take on that? Mm-hmm. Could be good, could be bad. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, all these things used in a sacred context, I think, are potential doorways. Mm-hmm. And they're potentially addictive and they can overtake you. And I think, you know, part of spiritual maturity is treating all these tools, psychedelics to crystals to, to you know, meditation as a technology, with, with respect. It's like, you want to go trip on the astral highway? Okay, then you need to be a grown-up and know that you're not the only one out there. That there, you want to travel in different dimensions? Are you assuming that you're protected in those different dimensions? That you're not going to bring anything creepy back with you? <laughs> I mean, there's risk, there's risk involved in that. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I've done my share of psychedelics. For me, personally, I'm not interested in that kind of risk anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I, am, I want to get there. On, I want to do it myself, you know? Yeah. And, and that's all. And I don't, have, I don't have much judgment. I have some judgment about psychedelics as a shortcut I have where my judgment comes up is when it's you know it's part of spiritual glamour and it becomes you know an addiction and it's high as this masking stuff there's so much of that 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 culture is just really fucking creepy and I just want to meditate my way I want to love and be kind and and I also you know, I have different concerns now. Like, I am in the world now. I am of the world. I can't, you know, the last time I, I, I did mushrooms, I was out <laughs> for yeah. three weeks. I was messed up. Like, I was having, no, I wouldn't say suicidal thoughts, but like such existential pain. It was difficult for me to get on the bus to get to work. Yeah. You know? And I'm a mom. I have someone I need to be present for. I cannot have any fractures in my psyche. Not right now. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Love it. Contradictions and paradox run rampant through, you know, as we're studying spiritual truths. And, you know, also just being in publishing in this world for over a decade, you can see even within one teacher a Mm -hmm. bunch of contradictions and Mm -hmm. you have a great take on this and I'd love for you to talk more about Mm -hmm. that well contradictions are not the same as hypocrisy so I think what you might be talking about are hypocrites (laughs) where Uh, you know they're talking about feminism or um, you know sacred sexuality and they're not treating women right and they've taken sex out of a totally sacred context so Mm -hmm. uh, lots of hypocrisy and that's human. So lots of space for forgiveness for that. Contradictions, however, I think are, are inner contrasts that are still rooted in a healthy place. It's like, um, I think one of my own contradictions. Well, there's a contradiction of me being highly introverted and I love being on stage. Both of those things are rooted in me feeling healthy. I feel great doing you know either way yeah and knowing that you're going to contradict yourself at some point and it's 
it's actually really healthy. I think it helps us, um, well, it definitely helps us to be less punishing for ourselves, but it helps us change our mind and like adopt new values for circumstances. Like I think wisdom, wisdom is paradoxical. Wisdom is contradictory. So wisdom will tell you there's a time and a place. So there is a time and a, and a place to, um, let me pick something. Look, here, let's pick something controversial. A lot of us would say monogamy is a more enlightened way to go. And there's a time and a place for that. And that time and place may last you decades in your marriage. And it might be someday that having an affair is really a higher calling for you. I'm not suggesting that it is. It's not the path I would never take, but I'm trying to pick something that most people would say is black and white. Right. Or, yeah. you know, you live pure, you live clean, you don't do ayahuasca. There is no vodka in your life. And there's a time to just let it, let it rip and do it and go to the edge. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I sort of, what it brought up for me was I, I was a vegetarian for 17 years. And, mm. you know, and I know you've done every type of diet. I mean, just reading your book, you've been all over the map in terms of wellness and raw and juicing. And so you'll get this. But I think what happened for me is that I just was feeling so fixed. And I was like, well, the fixed energy around me being a vegetarian mm -hmm. is now outweighing the benefits that I'm getting from being mm -hmm. a vegetarian. Like it was digging a deep fixed groove around it and it had lost its sacredness. Mm -hmm. the, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there too. I yeah. mean, there's a number of things like this. What, what I think you're getting at is, and I don't know where you are with vegetarian now, vegetarianism now, but for me, with so many things, eating, meditation, prayer, yoga, I had this prodigal relationship. Like, I've been into them, and I've been zealous, yeah. and they were on my to-do list, and I was definitely keeping score, and I wanted to actually convert people, and I left all of them, mm -hmm. and I've actually come back <laughs> to all of them, like... I decided at one point I was not going to meditate anymore. And it wasn't just, it wasn't something it just like kind of fizzled out and I didn't do it one week and so I didn't do it for two weeks. I was just like, I'm, I'm stopping yeah, because it was creating anxiety for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now it's taken, I mean, that's about a seven year journey. Now this is core. This is key to my life. Yeah. my sitting practice and and you know what and here's the difference well the main difference is it's inwardly inspired but the other difference is I don't care if you meditate or not I have no like whatever this might not be a lifetime or the season for you to be a meditator cool because I've been there <laughs> yeah I've you know and you want to you want to eat meat I don't need to eat meat anymore I'm no longer I am not able to eat meat anymore. Not as a psychological thing. You want to eat meat? Cool. Go for it. Now, I will have arguments with you about 
our overconsumption of meat. See, every, you know, everything in measure. Yeah. We're not measured in so many of the practices. Too much. You can actually meditate too much. <laughs> yeah. Too much yoga. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Do you want to be a vegetarian again now? Well, you know what? <laughs> um, I'm on the paleo track, but here's where I, I go on that. I feel like I want to start a movement that makes meat the portion of meat, the side dish, or even the condiment, right? Yeah. And so the yeah. impact on that environmentally would be, like, so when you go to a restaurant and instead of, like, having the meat and then everything around it, like the sides, everything would be the sides and then the meat would be this little tiny, like, half ounce or, like, at most, mm -hmm. like, an ounce. And I think that that would have an, a huge impact environmentally around the world. So that's that like how I'm like, you know, resonating with it now. But, you know, mm -hmm. I see, I see the issues with it. So um, mm -hmm. I get it. I'm just, you know, lifting a lot of weights right now. So, but I know <laughs> I could do it as a vegan. I could do it as a vegan. All right. So anyway, <laughs> we won't get too into it. But I want to talk about, you know, one of your truth bombs is love yourself like it's your job. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you're fierce on this. Yeah, that's just, uh, that's my sermon. That's my very short few word sermon on uh, self-care. Yeah. Love yourself like it's your job. Yeah. I yeah. mean. You know, we, we parent. So many of us parent or we be in romantic relationship like it's our job. Yeah. We know there are certain things to do. Yeah. We have to show up. We have to have a date night. We have to be our best, try and be our best. We don't do that for ourselves. <laughs> and we wait. Like, I can, I can see my own pattern. Like, you know, I have to get sick to really radically stop. Or I'll put that in the past tense. I used to have to get sick yeah. to really radically stop. Nice. And my... My theme right now is has so much to do with ease, and it's coming at this really dichotomous time. It's like, how am I going to do like the next huge burst of my work in the easiest way possible? This would be the time where I'm supposed to like hunker down and sweat and work longer hours. And of course, some of that is going on. But um, yeah, if I can do this gracefully, that's where it's like I create some alchemy but yeah will you stand for yourself will you stand for yourself yeah and you have this lovely list of signs that you love yourself and I want to yeah. pull a couple out because they were surprising to me I mean mm -hmm. I get them but I would I want to hear you talk a little bit more about it so one of the signs is that you befriend your loneliness yeah yeah I um, Listen, if, if, you, if you're going to love yourself, if you're going to respect yourself, that's a more powerful word in this context, you're going to upset some people. And you will feel on the outside of things. Mm -hmm. You will ask some people to leave, some people will leave you, some ideas will leave you. And, you know, on the path to realizing it's just you at the end of the day, it's got to be your call, you're the guru. It's really lonely. And... I think we have to admit to that and just 
be really mature and know that it's part of the journey and be compassionate with that. Yeah. Like I think maybe a lot of, a lot of people could relate to this in a, in a career or like a leadership capacity. Like if you're a real leader, um, meaning like you're meaning you're really in charge of something. A lot of people are looking to you. It's lonely because it's not about being popular <laughs> and no one is, no one has stroking your back on a regular basis. Like you just got to have the vision and keep going and leading. And I definitely feel that sometimes. And that's where I just have to be like, Oh, how do I find comfort? Even though I'm like a lonely leader right now. And how do I feel my loneliness and honor it without feeling like a loser? Like there's something wrong with me because I'm feeling a little bit isolated sometimes. So, yeah, I love myself enough to say it's okay that you have lonely times. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that resonating with me right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, the whole feeling unpopular. God, that can be a huge psychic attack. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And this is relevant because more and more women, whether you're in charge of a, you know, huge multi-million dollar business like you are, or we're just rising to our own divinity as a form of leadership, this is going to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You have a big focus on that here. And this kind of goes with, I mean, I just find like these are essentials for self-acceptance is self-love and the forgiveness piece. What are we forgiving ourselves for? I think it's two things. I think we're forgiving ourselves for all the dumb things we've done. (laughs) And I mean, that's a big umbrella of dumbness that we could put so much under, like, you know, forgive yourself for marrying somebody who was abusive. Forgive yourself for um, making the bad investment. I mean, just like bad decisions, right? That, Mm -hmm. that caused you harm. And then it's forgiving yourself for your own bad behavior. Like you got to, you have to forgive yourself for the shit talk that you've done. You have to forgive yourself for the time you yelled at your kid. You have to forgive yourself for the lies that you've told. Those are the hardest things. The hardest thing. Like when you know for sure you are, you are guilty. And to be able to extend like understanding to yourself with those thoughts, that's I think the most potent medicine it's okay. I forgive you. Tomorrow's another day. You're a good person. I mean, what I say to myself when I think I've been a real shit is I know, you know, I speak to myself uh, directly and I say, you know, Danielle, you're a loving person. I know that fundamentally I'm a loving person and I'm going to try and get it right the next time. And sometimes it's not just an inside job, like, oh, you're loving. Sometimes you need to really pick up the phone and say you're sorry and do the the extra hard work. Not the extra, but the additional hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, I feel like especially as women with our that the whole perfection train that we tend to ride and the inner criticism and uh, that's the hardest. It's so much easier to forgive somebody else. So much easier. It's so much easier. Yeah. 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 So much easier. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the ego. Cause Mm -hmm. this is kind of a big one. You address this in your book and it's a big spiritual term, right? It's got a big psychological component and talk about contradictions and paradox. There's a lot of paradox with regard to the ego. And there's also, you know, an edge to it, I feel like in terms of specifically with women. And, you know, on one hand, I feel like women, you know, we need to sort of stand up and really, you know, claim who we are and embrace a little ego. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But on the Mm -hmm. other hand, what I find that is truly powerful with women and humanity at its best is a level of humility, which I think is a spiritual principle that can be taken all the way to the top. So mm. such a great way of putting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts. Uh, I think I need my personality to get shit done in the world. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with being distinct. I'm good with having opinions. I'm very appreciative of how my ego protects me. Um, and listen, you know, there's so much confusion about what the ego really is. Like, it's the darkness of our side. It's the essential part of the psyche. I, I'm just, bottom line for me is I actually don't think my ego is my enemy. I think mm-hmm. ego is the enemy by, oh, what's his name? Ryan, Ryan Holiday. It's a great book. But I use ego in a different sense. So why would I want to pummel something out of me that is like natural? Mm-hmm. I just need to, it's the same as anything. I just want it, I want my ego to be 20% of what's on my plate. <laughs> it's the meat. Yeah. <laughs> With the, you know? <laughs> And not be ruled by it. And wait, what was and what was the second part of the ego question? Humility and taking it all the way to the top. Such Mm -hmm. a great phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can't be fluid without without humility. If 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 you are too, you got too much ego and not enough humility, you are going to be a brittle motherfucker. And your feelings are going to get hurt and you are going to be abrasive and you are going to, you might not even call it anxiety because you're too egocentric to admit to feeling anxiety, but you're actually going to be running on a lot of anxious energy because you need to be, you need to be pleasing and you need to be pleased. So, I mean, how humility works for me, I am, Well, I'm feeling pretty liberated these days, and I am feeling like I'm I'm my own guru. The irony in that, this is, I mean, it's a really beautiful experience for me, is I am more capable of reverence than ever. It's just that being more discerning, I'm not handing out my respect to anybody who, you know, makes it into yoga journal or 
is giving a seminar. Right. So, yeah. But there's a few people who, in my life now who, in the world, who I consider the real deal. I'm sure there's lots of them, but I got to qualify each one because I'm thinking for myself. And, I, I mean, it, it gives me, it's rapturous to be at their feet mm. and to listen. It's, it's like a, you know, it is it's like a love affair to just think, wow, you know so much more than I do. You are awake and I'm being healed just by being in the same room with you. Like, yeah. there isn't even a word to be grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. We are at the end of our time together, but I want to end with, because also your book ends with this, but you have done a lot of work on desire and... I'm curious, it seems like you've reinvented or you have a new take on that. And I'd love for you to talk about that mm-hmm. through the lens of this book. I feel more clear that we can't be as attached to our desires as I thought we needed to be. Uh-huh. So I used to get up on stage all the time and say, want what you want with your whole heart. That's, actually, that's still accurate. That's still necessary. But I think there's a semicolon now. Want what you want with your whole heart. And don't be attached to getting it. Mm. And I mean, I have been talking about it for a long time that we need to be more open to the form in which things show up. And that's why it's more about being clear on how you want to feel. Because then there's so many different things that can help you feel that way. And you've reached your, you know, your quote unquote soulful goal. I think the unattachment for me now goes deeper in that, you know, I've really looked at the whole ideology around positive thinking and I think it's leading us in the wrong direction. I think it's shallow and that we're using positive thinking as this tool instead of as a state of being and we're using it to manipulate things to get what we want. I'm going to think positive so that I can reach my goal. But the fact is we often don't reach our goals. We often don't get what we want. And so what happens is we feel like we failed. We haven't, we haven't manifested properly. We haven't been positive enough. I'm more interested in, you know, what I'm calling deep positivity, which is you believe, and I think there is no no more positive belief than this. You believe that you're going to be okay, whether you get what you want or not. Yeah. And that is a sweaty, scary place to go. I mean, if you are wishing for your soulmate to show up, if you want to be seen in the world, you want to, you want to be an author, you want to be a player. If you've been trying for years to have children, you know, those really, those intense desires you're going to hear from at least one of your women friends, right? And to be able to think, well, if I don't get the partner or the recognition or the child, I'm still going to be okay. I mean, all I have to say is good luck with that. It's very difficult. Yeah. (laughs) And it's definitely, I put it in the bucket of like, this is high spiritual aspiration stuff. But I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not interested in... I think, and no, anybody listening to this is not about going for the shallow. We want to go the distance. Yeah. 
and uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to feel manipulative anymore yeah. with what I want to get. And I'm starting to feel like you know my vision board is a gimmick, and the the, the mantras can be gimmicky, and it's starting to feel like a little gross to me. And I still have a vision board. I still have mantras in my life, but I'm asking for different things now. Yeah. I love, um, you have, you call it the science of surrender and it sounds like, Oh yeah, that's, that's guru thing. Yeah. 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 The science of surrender. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. having that desire and celebrating it and then, you know, being willing to surrender that is I think Mm -hmm. one of the greatest spiritual expressions that we have mm-hmm. and to still want what you want like you're not just surrendering your attachment to the outcome you're you're also surrendering your doubt mm-hmm. you know like a particular teacher has said to me you know danielle give up give give up your doubt give it up and i could never wrap my head around that i'd just be like that is so easy to say. It's just so hard to give up the doubt. But that's not what they meant. They, they meant give your doubt to God. Oh, really? I can pray to have my, oh, I mean, I feel moved talking about it. Yeah. I can pray to have my doubt taken from me. I can ask for help that this is removed. Wow, that is, that's what it means to like work with the universe, you know? Yeah. It's beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Like, just, you're thinking and you're feminizing and anytime, my friend. Love talking with you. Oh, right back at you. Okay, more from Danielle Laporte out there in the world on daniellelaporte.com. And we'll see you later. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you.